You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So we got a little bit of newsy news today. Mr. Kamal Martin at linebacker and Equinemius St. Brown, the wide receiver, have returned to practice on Monday. So they're back. Um, I don't think they've been officially removed from IR. I don't, I don't know. I think we have space for them. And in fact, I th- think somebody was saying something to the effect of... Uh, Josiah DeGuara has not been moved to IR yet. So there's going to be space, and there's going to be... uh, I mean, if they're practicing, they're going to be coming off IR, I would think, right? I don't know. Whatever. Um, Either way, my general thought is that I have tempered expectations. I know Kamal Martin looked really good in training camp, but so did Christian Kirksey. And um, we saw that that did not necessarily work out very well. I'm, I'm hopeful... Because we really, really could use a lot of help. And, and from what we saw in training camp, Kamal Martin looked pretty impressive. So I'm definitely hopeful. But um, I'm prepared to be disappointed. Especially early on. In fact, I, I tend to think it's going to be like a lot of things. We're going to hear that he's healthy, he's full go, he's off IR. Everybody in Packerland is going to start jumping up and down going, Yeah, here comes Kamal Martin. And we're not going to see him the whole game. And it's going to be like that for several weeks where we say, hey, remember when you drafted that guy and uh, we thought he was really good and he was going to come in and play and we need help at linebacker? Remember that whole thing? Why isn't he out there? It's possible. Granted, some of the guys that are out there right now haven't had a lot of snaps either, but they're in the full swing of it now. So maybe we see glimmers of him, but I don't know. If, on the other hand, he does come out immediately and starts dominating snaps, we at least know what the Packers think about him. Whether or not he performs, it's a good sign that the Packers are like, we got to get this guy out there. He is a very good football player. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Similarly with Equinemius, as much as I've been a fan of his in the small little limited samples that we've seen him, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely excited about Equinemius, but I don't necessarily know that he dominates right out of the gate. Now with Alan Lazard out, I mean, again, it's similar with Martin and Equinemius where the injuries have racked up to the point where what el- what, what other options do you have, right? We're going to go three wide receivers. Okay, is Malik Taylor going to start over Equinemius? Because that would be depressing. No offense to Malik, but my goodness, not a great sign for Equinemius. He's been in the system. He's been with this team. Unless it's an injury thing, that's that's not fantastic. But, but again, I I see a path. But I'm tempering expectations, similar to the way that I saw a path for the Packers being good under Matt LaFleur. I see a path for Aaron Rodgers having an elite season. I see a path for the Packers dominating this year. I saw a path for all the negatives, too. It just so happened to be that all the positive things keep happening. So, fingers crossed, at least insofar as the offense goes, that Equinemius comes in and is acclimated and becomes a very good wide receiver. And there's, I don't really see a lot of reason why he wouldn't. Number one... Because a lot of this is scheme-based, and it seems to just kind of be next man up. And, and again, I do think that there is a lower end of that, that spectrum, where at some point you just fall below the ability spectrum, and, and it just doesn't work anymore, right? Very simple example, put me on the team and try to scheme me open, never going to happen. 
there is at some point a line that you cross where it's just it's not really going to work out and it'd be much better if we had a better wide receiver but I tend to think EQ is above that line I think when he was on the team and healthy he was better than Lazard he was be- well did he even play with Lazard I don't know clearly better than MVS and Jamon let's put it that way he showed great hands great ability to get open he's fast which everybody forgets he's extremely tall which, you know, he fits the Matt LaFleur mold of being a big wide receiver, probably going to be a big slot. If anything, Lazard was kind of an EQ replacement. Now, again, it might just be another situation where EQ lost his opportunity because EQ's, or no, Lazard, I'm getting him confused now, stepped in, filled that void, and won the job. But again, with him being out injured, this is EQ's opportunity to step in and either reclaim it or prove, hey, I at least deserve to be here. But, um... Yeah, running four four eight. I mean, he's not four threes, but for a six foot five, two hundred and fifteen pound wide receiver, four four eight is fast. Lazard is a little bit bigger at six foot five, two twenty seven, so he's got ten pounds on him. But um, I, I just think it's I think it's a perfect fit. And again, I, I I think Equinemius has the potential to be a better route runner with better hands and all that kind of stuff. Lazard is great, and I you know, I'm just saying if we're if we're going best case scenario. And we're talking about how Lazard is is the perfect mix of being good enough, being the right fit, the right player for the right role and the right scheme. I think Equinemius can be all those things, but just generally a better wide receiver. Now, whether or not he comes in and can block as well, which, by the way, as I failed to mention because it didn't seem all that necessary because we know he's a good run blocker, Lazard has kind of struggled in that regard via PFF. I know we've seen some great blocks, and again, that's the problem with Twitter is somebody is watching things, you see something, especially that's sort of confirmation bias, right? We know Alan Lazard is a good blocker. So we see Alan Lazard make a really good block, and we say, boom, there he is. He's back to back to form. And then we just don't see any of the other stuff where maybe he kind of struggles. I don't know. I haven't watched. I'm just reporting the news. He did a good job against Minnesota, 60 overall grade against Detroit. Against New Orleans, they gave him a 41 overall grade. Right now they're saying he's below average as a run blocker. Just throwing it out there. I don't know. We know he's good. It's only three games. It's fine. Again, just reporting the news. But it is similar to what Matt LaFleur has talked about in the past, where what an exciting opportunity for guys to step up. Um, He's said that. It sounds like coach speak, but look what happens every time we say that. Devontae dominates week one. Week two, they, you know, take away Devontae slash he gets hurt, and so we lean on Aaron Jones. And then Aaron Jones gets shut down by the Saints, who commit to taking him away. And Devontae's hurt, and so we lean on Alan Lazard. Great opportunity to showcase your your other weapon, Mr. Matt LaFleur, Alan Lazard. And so he did. They leaned on Lazard, and look how dominant he was. And then Lazard gets hurt, and I was like, well, now what do we do? How about Big Bob Tanya? And people like me are like, I don't know about Tanya. And LaFleur's like, dude, I got this. Check this out. And look what he does. So again, there, there may be an acclimation process and trying to figure this stuff out. He's been out a while. He's coming off injury. Etc. Etc. But he's he was built for this system, man. I can't speak to Kamal and, and Mike Pettin because I haven't seen what a good linebacker looks in Mike Pettin's system unless we go back to like 2014. But hopefully it pans out. But I can tell you, Equinemius makes a good amount of sense for filling in what Alan Lazard has been doing, just being a big body guy who has surprising speed. Um, he's I mean he's he's perfect for it. He just he is. He's just perfect for this. Also, and I don't know why I'm so obsessed with this idea, but I think it would be kind of cool. We've seen other teams who have brothers and duos and things like that that play like the McCordys or whatever. I wouldn't be all that upset if we ended up drafting Amon Ra St. Brown 
and those two brothers went at it. You know what I mean? Like I'm 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 not saying Lazard is out of the picture. You know, whatever. We'll see what happens. But just if Amon Ross St. Brown was a boundary guy opposite Devontae, and then you got Equinemia St. Brown in the slot as the big slot, because Amon Ra is only 6'1", 195. So he's not a great fit that way, but he'd be kind of an outside guy, right? That's a little closer to what Devontae is. I'm I'm just saying, I think it'd be kind of cool. Although he's kind of a slot. I don't know. Maybe it's stupid. Who cares? Either way, just so you know, Equinemius' brother is going to be entering the draft next year. Potential first-round pick or, you know, early second-dish round pick kind of guy. Meaning we're not going to get him because, you know. But he's there. He exists as somebody to obsess over and get upset when we don't draft. If, if you're into that, if you, if you want to start doing that now, feel free to key in on guys like Amon Ross St. Brown that we are not going to be drafting. Um, in other news, we have signed uh, Dominique Daphne, tight end, to the, uh, to the practice squad. Hilariously, he's smaller than most of our wide receivers. At 6'2", 225, he is actually quite a bit smaller than um, Alan Lazard, who's got two pounds on him and three inches on him. Interestingly enough, um, he actually was designated a wide receiver, so it's it's so strange. Maybe we are, he might, I, I, forget it, he's a wide receiver. He's being called a tight end, that doesn't make, he was a wide receiver in college. Maybe he was considered a tight end in the draft, but for the Green Bay Packers, this dude's a wide receiver. 6'2", 225, he's, a, he's an average size wide receiver. And again, that's what he was in college, so that's what I'm calling him until I hear the Packers say the words, we're using him as a wide receiver, because I just, I don't know. Um, definitely a super deep dive as far as, uh, I mean, the, the scouts are doing their homework on, on bringing this guy in. It's got to just be all upside. He played for the Indiana State Sycamores. He had 20 total targets while at Indiana State over two years. Actually, his first year was at Iowa. He had two targets. Then he goes to Indiana State because apparently Iowa is just, you know, he can't hack it there. Goes to uh, Indiana State, 18 snaps excuse me, 18 targets, 7 receptions for 69 yards and no touchdowns, decides he's going to enter the draft, and uh, now he's a Packer. So, you know, maybe he could have hung out a little bit more in college, but maybe that's what the Packers are banking on. Like, this this guy's got tools, but pretty big project. So we'll stash him on the practice squad, coach him up, see what he can absorb, and we'll go from there. I mean, I'm not going to doubt Gutekunst and his, his pickups anymore because that's just ridiculous. So as far as I know, this is the next great Packers wide receiver slash tight end. I have no idea. Might as well be at this point. But um, his hallmark game was against South Dakota State, five targets, three receptions for 25 yards. So there you go. Um, he also was used a decent amount in the run game, which shouldn't surprise you. Again, we're talking about a, a, a fit. So you got a slot receiver who's 6'2", 225, that occasionally is used in the run game presumably jet sweep type stuff, but I don't really know. Um, he was still designated as a slot in these two games in which he was a running back. He graded out very well as a running back. 11 attempts for 54 yards, 4.9 yards per attempt. Actually, had t- this is against Southern Illinois, so the SIU Salukis. I know because I've actually been to a couple of their games, believe it or not. Had friends that went there. It's a whole thing. So 11 attempts, 54 yards, 4.9 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, two carries for 10 plus yards, this, maybe this is what it's about, man. This is just a versatile kind of guy. 27 yards after contact, 2.45 yards after contact on average. Then the next game against Northern Iowa, 16 attempts, 80 yards, 5 yards per attempt. Didn't have any touchdowns, but converted 4 first downs. Had 3 carries of more than 10 yards, 4.25 yards after contact per attempt. Had 6 avoided tackles on 16 attempts. Longest carry was for 21 yards. I gotta dig that up. Gotta go try to find that. Also, and again, I don't want to keep 
I'm, I'm getting too annoying on this podcast. I'm, I'm trying to reel it back. But just so you know, I've found some of the benefit of having PFF College is that I can find cool games like this. So if you really want good cut-ups of certain guys like Dominique Daphne, which I'll try to go dig up, you can find some cool college-type cut-ups or whatever. This would be more Packers-related, but sometimes it's draft-related, which is what I want. But I didn't want to inundate my Twitter with random draft video cut-ups. And since I needed the cut-ups to put in an article I was writing, I was like, eh, let me just create a separate account so I can put one in there and just kind of leave it. Um, so that Twitter account is PackDraft. It's actually at PackDraft1. I didn't put the one in there. I didn't realize it was going to do that. There must already be a PackDraft. But um, anyways, I needed a couple cut-ups of Jabril Cox for a uh, article I'm writing. Spoiler alert as far as who, you know, I'm picking. Also, the, the video quality is garbage, but, you know, it's a thing. Anyways, I don't know how much I'm even going to be using that. I just need it as a tool, but it's there if you're interested. Packdraft, at Packdraft1 is now my apparent Packers Draft Twitter account. Anyways, um, and on top of that, he obviously was used quite a bit as a run blocker at 62225. And yes, he does grade out quite well in that regard. So it kind of makes sense, right? We don't have a lot of information on him, but he's got the tools to be a Matt LaFleur, Brian Gutekunst type wide receiver. And I, the reason I say Brian Gutekunst is because Brian Gutekunst has kind of been on this train for a while, since before LaFleur even got there for at least a year. He's been point, pointing to, and he even talked a lot about for the sake of durability. Um, I think constant injuries to guys like uh, Randall Cobb and whatnot, and just you know, in general, he likes bigger football players because they're a little bit more durable. Sounds like kind of a weird reason, you know, like, I don't know. It's always weird listening to GMs talk because they, they oversimplify everything. I don't know if it's just because they, you know, it sounds cool when it's, you make it sound really easy or whatever. I don't know. It's just weird. Like, why are you so obsessed with big, well, I don't know. They're uh, probably get hurt less or something, you know, I don't know. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> Say that again. I guess I just always expect some kind of super in-depth reason, scheme-related, whatever, why you're doing it, and maybe he's just not tipping his cards, but it's just such weird answers all the time, like, I don't know, man, it's just, you know, bigger is better, right, Texas and, and whatnot, you ever seen their hats? So, you know, I like big wide receivers, because they're tall, I don't, I don't understand the question, what, what, what aren't you getting about this? Maybe I'm alone in that. I don't know. I just, I hear some of these answers. Same, same with when they hired Matt LaFleur, which again, they have to just be making this up because they can't just luck their way into this. But you're trying to hear like all the schematic reasons. Like, why do you like Matt LaFleur? All this crazy stuff. Da, da, da. And it's like, well, you know, he's got a good personality. We, th we think we'd like him around the office, you know. In other words, he won't be annoying when, when I see him around town. Seems to fit our culture. Like, I don't, dude, forget your culture, dude. Don't even care, bro culture what co scheme bro scheme tell me he's like a brilliant mastermind savant we we put up like a, an impossible math problem on the board and he solved it in like eight seconds and we we're like this is our guy we we showed him clips of of you know football games and he's like this is what they're running and this is how you'd beat it and then sure enough boom but no you know why'd you hire matt like i don't i don't know seemed like a good dude liked his haircut He's got a good voice, good way of talking, has a good culture. And what, what does that even mean? Oh, you know, he likes pancakes. So you know, he's got like that, that American culture, apple pie, pancakes, tacos, you know, American stuff. <laughs> I don't know. And then when that one question popped up about, yeah, but 
what about Tennessee, where he was supposed to be the offensive coordinator and it didn't go well, and Gutekunst just looked at him like, I don't, I don't know, dude. Like his quarterback was hurt. What? Why are you asking me weird questions about his ability to coach an offense? You're sounding stupid right now. But hey, looks like it worked out. So I don't know. I'm just saying it freaks me out. But anyways, Dominique Daphne may not ever see him, but again, don't ever doubt Gutekunst with his random pickups and whatnot. 2021. The guy's going to have a four-touchdown performance at wide receiver? I don't know. I'm calling him a wide receiver until officially designated otherwise. And even then, I'm still calling him a wide receiver. So don't don't, don't message me about it. Anyways, we got to take a break here. I was going to mention one other thing because it was not a bad segue, but, you know, time restrictions and whatnot. Let's take a break right here, and, um, uh, you know, we'll be right back. So I'm very pleased to announce that our little giveaway yesterday worked out flawlessly. First of all, the Saints didn't win by 500 points, so I didn't have to feel bad about messing that up. So it did come down to point totals. Uh, There was 57 total points scored. Two people said 56. Nobody said 57 or 58. So guess what? I'm giving away two. Both of you folks, assuming you live in the United States, um, are winners. And if not, you know, we'll try to figure something out. By the way, Goose Man... I didn't forget about you, man. We'll, we'll figure something out. I'm, I've been trying to run through some stuff in my brain, and i got a million things going on. I apologize. I'm slow and I'm stupid, but we'll get it figured out. But anyways, as I've always said, I've got a lot of these Iron Jock hoodies to give away, and I'm very excited to get you one of them. But if you just don't feel like waiting, not just for the next competition, the next week, whatever, but also for me to stop being so slow and stop forgetting and all that kind of stuff, you can go right now to ironjock.com. That's I-R-O-N-J-O-C.com. They've got polos, they got vests, they got workout shirts, long and short sleeve. They got sweatshirts, shorts, socks and underwear, running jackets, hoodies, and pants. So especially if you're looking for some kind of workout attire, apparel, you want to look good, feel good, all that kind of stuff, not necessarily a hoodie, just get over there and buy one, man. Every single item that they have, by the way, not just the hoodies, everything they have has their Enduratech fabric. As I've said, Enduratech... The, the fabric provides wicking, fast-drying, it's breathable, it's anti-static, and it eliminates odor because it is infused with silver ion. And what that does is when it gets wet, sweat, it releases the silver ion into the fabric, which kills 99.9% of all bacteria and fungus, which means no stink, because that's where that comes from. You sweat, fungus, stink. I don't know, man. I'm, I dropped out of college. I didn't pay attention in high school. Middle school was a blur. Not even positive we ever talked about these topics. Why does fungus stink? That maybe came up, maybe it didn't, but I don't know the answer. Also, if you're interested in their long pants, shorts, hoodies, or running jackets, they have Enduratech Plus fabric, which has all those same benefits, but is also water repellent. So again, please go check out ironjock.com, I-R-O-N-J-O-C.com. Follow them on Facebook or on Twitter at Ironjock. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. 
Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, so a couple things. Um, number one, and this happens pretty regularly, there was a, there is a seeming disparity between ESPN and their win blocking rates or whatever and PFF. And it happens kind of a lot. And I don't really have a way to reconcile it other than, I, you know, I don't know if, if you really care. I guess you got to go watch and draw your own conclusions. But not surprisingly, it's centered around Mr. Billy Turner. ESPN, I think like once a week, releases their uh, updated pass-blocking win rates. They currently have Billy Turner at 98%, which is number one in the NFL. And what I've always said is if you look at the list, and it seems like a pretty good list of of you know rankings of top 10 then it's probably not a bad list and if you look at lane jack uh, lane johnson jack conklin andrew whitworth ronnie stanley teron armstead mekai becton david bakhtiari jedrick wills Dion dawkins there's a couple names that you'd you'd maybe question a little bit but for the most part it's a good list number one would be that billy turner is the best tackle in football at pass blocking uh number two there's two uh rookies on here uh, Mackay Becton uh, is not as surprising. Jedrick Wills, I think PFF does not like very much. But otherwise, again, it's a pretty good list. So it's reasonable to assume that maybe this is a solid list. The the disparity comes in when you look at PFF. And, and to be fair, PFF is kind of the one that needs to justify their own grade. And the reason I say that is that statistically, Billy Turner is doing a very good job. If you look at guys that have uh, at least 100 snaps, Billy Turner is tied for third least amount of pressures and one of the guys in fact of all the guys he's tied with he's the only one that has not given up a single sack or hit so he would be the best of the the guys in third place with three pressures because all three of his pressures were hurried the only two guys with better stats would be number two rick wagner and you say well he hasn't had as many opportunities as turner that's not true billy turner has played 125 snaps rick wagner's played 124 he's only allowed two hurries zero hits zero sacks in in football right now. And then number one would be Mr. Chris Hubbard, who has allowed one hurry, zero sacks, zero hits. And that's with 121 attempts so far this season. So again, it would be up to PFF to justify this because they think he's a pretty bad pass blocker. And if you look at, for example, Lane Johnson, who has also three pressures, they're giving him an 80 overall grade. Rick Wagner has a 72 overall grade. Chris Hubbard, 82.7. So clearly it's not just about stats, or Rick Wagner would be one of the best pass blockers in football. Also, David Bakhtiari has five pressures, which means he's down here tied for 18th. So there's more to this than just statistics, but at the same time, it's just it's hard to bridge the gap between allowed almost no pressures and a pretty bad pass blocker. So I don't know. I don't have PFF on speed dial. I guess I am in their Discord. I don't. You know what? They do ask like every day for Q&A type stuff. That would be a good question next time I see that to explain what goes into their pass blocking grades. And I know of all things that PFF gets knocked for, it's their run or their offensive line grades. But at the same time, I mean, Billy Turner's not 
very good, so I tend to believe PFF in this. But at the but again, three pressures is it, and uh, also for ESPN, what goes into to winning? I know it's not just statistics because we have the statistics here, and Rick Wagner's not even on their top ten list. And I suppose it's possible to lose, but there's no there's no pressure that comes from that, right? The guy can just knock you flat on your back and not get to the quarterback, and you would lose and not register any kind of hurries, assuming the quarterback is getting the ball out fast enough. So a discrepancy, but again, not necessarily a bad one. PFF likes our offensive line. Billy Turner's the only one they don't like, and ESPN says Billy Turner's the best tackle in football right now as far as pass blocking. And, and again, worst-case scenario, Billy Turner is bad, but nothing bad comes from him being there, at least hasn't yet. The, the only problem would be if he is bad – more bad stats are, are coming eventually because, you know, just a matter of time if you're not very good at your job before somebody just knocks you flat on your head and gets after Aaron Rodgers and we're in trouble. The big concern for me is going to be when we go up against really good pass rushers, i.e. Khalil Mack, who loves to line up on the right side. And, you know, that that's when we're really going to find out what we've got on the right side. Because New Orleans, despite having a pretty good pass rusher, has you know, that guy hasn't done much. Detroit doesn't have anybody off the right side. Minnesota didn't have anybody off the right side. The Falcons don't have anybody. Else. So we haven't faced really anybody that's doing anything off the right side so far this year. So we'll see. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't have an answer for it. Again, this is just kind of a report in the news kind of thing. PFF thinks Billy Turner's trash. ESPN says he's winning at a higher rate than any tackle in football. Both of those feel a little bit ridiculous to me. Let me just put it that way. Billy Turner is not the best tackle in football. But again, it's hard to justify only giving up three hurries, which is third best in the NFL, and being kind of just garbage. In fact, the only other guy that's kind of close is uh, Matt Gano. He's given up three pressures and one hit, and they have his grade at a 42, which is really, really bad. Most of these guys have really good grades. But there is a huge disparity in grades. So again, it clearly doesn't come down to just results. It's There's a lot more that goes into it. It's just a matter of whether or not the metrics they're using are actually good metrics, or if they're just overthinking this and they're being stupid about it. But again, Chris Hubbard, 82, Rick Wagner, 72, Lane Johnson, 81, Billy Turner, 54, Garrett Bowles, 89, Jermaine Illuminor, 71, Whitworth, 86, Balaga, 67. And these are pass-blocking grades, not overall grades, and run-blocking is messing with it. I'm talking about pass-blocking grades. So again, the only way to really reconcile this is to go back, watch the games, and decide for yourself if you think Billy Turner's doing a good job, which maybe I'm going to have to do at some point. Not that I'm the ultimate authority, just for my own curiosity. I want to know for myself. Okay, I'm, if I'm going to sit here and say he's a good or bad tackle, I want to at least have my own opinion on it. And since ESPN and PFF are on opposite ends of the universe on this issue... It's worth at least looking at, I guess. And again, it's it's actually a fairly similar, um, you know, I, again, sort it by pass blocking grade. Tell me if this is a good top 10 list. Laramie Tunsil, Garrett Bowles, Ronnie Stanley, Andrew Whitworth, David Bakhtiari, Jack Conklin, Chris Hubbard, Isaiah Wynn, Trent Williams, and Lane Johnson. Again, some names you look at kind of crossways, and some names it's like, yeah, of course they're top 10. It's a good list. And they've got, you know, Jedrick Wills is 19th, so it's not that big of a difference with ESPN. Again, the, the biggest disparity here would be Billy Turner. So, I don't know. Weird. It's, it's its own thing. Form your own opinion. Don't care either way. Again, three pressures is really all that matters. If the guy, you know, doesn't move and just goes up against terrible ta- edge rushers who have a hard time running around him and getting to Rodgers, I'll call that a win, I guess. Still looking for a replacement in the draft, but, again, results are results. 
It's kind of similar to Robert Tanyan, right? Well, is he good or is it the scheme? I mean, does it really matter at this point? Is Kittle good or is it the scheme? Who cares? He's dominating everybody. It, it, it doesn't even matter at this point. A um, couple other notes, and these are all basically directed at Brian. You, you knew this was coming, man. Brian, um, great dude. He messages me pretty regularly. Occasionally, he goes into fits of rage. What seemed to me to be completely random outbursts of violent rage and feels the need to tell me about it directly rather than, I don't know, somebody in his house, which I guess is good. Take it out on me, not anybody in your close um, vicinity. But, I mean, it's uh, it's a little exhausting. But I, I, I want to go through a couple of the uh, outbursts just in case there's anybody else out there that's... Um, similarly minded because i know brian's not alone in this but let me give you an example of how brian operates he watches a football game the chargers and saints and while most packer packer fans are watching the saying haha saints are garbage we're the best team in the nfc he's watching saying justin herbert's great that reminds me that jordan love is sitting on the bench which reminds me that i hate brian gutekunst and jordan love is a bust and even though we couldn't have drafted Justin Herbert, it's just a little reminder of how mad I am that we wasted a first-round pick, even though I don't know if we wasted it because the intention was for this to be a future pick. But you don't waste a first-round pick on a future pick. This should have been an impactful pick right now. Again, it's, I, I can't quite wrap my head around the exact logic behind it, but it just triggers anger. Let me just say this first of all. If Herbert, which by the way, one game, he has a track record of losing games. Tampa Bay, they were on their way to winning that game. He threw a pick to seal the loss. So he's not a perfect quarterback. There's time and time again we've seen wide-open guys. He's just not seeing them. He's got talent. He's got a talented arm. He's got all that stuff. He's got a long way to go before he's a Hall of Fame anything. He's got a cannon of an arm that completed a bunch of really nice passes. whoop de doo Every quarterback in the history of the NFL has completed some nice passes. But he looks like he could be something special at some point. Coming into this game, uh, five touchdowns, three interceptions. 21st overall quarterback. Again, we'll see what happens at the conclusion of this. The grades aren't out yet, but I mean, he's not Dwayne Haskins bad, but he's also not Jared or Josh Allen, at least not yet. But anyways, let me just remind you of this. If, if Justin Herbert was drafted by the Packers, he'd be sitting on the bench right now. And Brian and people like Brian would be screaming about how stupid of a pick that was and how Justin Herbert is a bust. Except we don't know that because he's not playing. And getting mad about a guy that threw like a couple bad passes in practice, which by the way, Aaron Rodgers threw repeated bad passes and a bunch of picks in practice. Nobody cares because it's practice. He does that every single year. And then he comes out and he's dominant. Practice doesn't mean jack squat. It's the reason why Christian Kirksey doing well in practice doesn't matter. Kamal Martin doing well in practice doesn't matter. None of this stuff actually matters. Now, if you're mad about drafting a guy that's not going to play in 2020, fine. But that's that's don't don't go down crazy paths. Just say I wish we'd have drafted somebody. But then you got to do yourself the the honest service of saying who exactly you want. I keep hearing about Patrick Queen, and I'll keep repeating: Patrick Queen is grading out as one of the worst linebackers in football. He's given up more yards through the air than almost anybody in all of football. He is putrid, hot garbage in coverage. He is getting picked apart through the air like nobody anywhere, ever, with the exception of a few people. But it's 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 horribly bad. But again, we, we keep seeing highlights and this on Twitter, and everybody freaks out because, you know, Baldy does a breakdown or whatever of a couple of his really good plays. Which, again, you can do that with anybody. You can take any one player, grab four really good plays, and then talk, talk about how elite they are. 
Tennessee Titans drafted Isaiah Wilson, six foot seven, three hundred forty pound tackle in the first round. He's not playing. Patrick Queen is terrible. Jordan Brooks, the linebacker that was taken after Jordan Love, was terrible. Noah Igbenogany, cornerback out of Auburn. His grade is a 32.6. He's hot garbage, one of the worst corners in all of football. Now, while they're rookies, no duh, that's the point. They're rookies. They're not going to contribute in 2020 because they suck as rookies. Maybe they'll get better. Maybe they won't. They need more time to learn and grow in the system, and then we'll become better later. At least some of them will. Most of them won't. Most of them will go on to be garbage since forever because most first-round picks suck. We know about Justin Jefferson, but we also forgot that they also drafted Jeff Gladney. He's not been very good. Maybe he'll become good. I don't know. He's given up almost 300 yards through the air already. The guy's only played four weeks so far this year. He didn't hardly, he played nine snaps against Green Bay. He's given up 300 yards in four games. He gave up 120 yards to Tennessee. That ridiculous nonsense. Week one, we heard about Clyde edwards Elair and how elite he's going to be. And oh my goodness, this is the greatest thing we've ever seen. He's going to be so good, which was always stupid. It was one game. He was running through some holes and whatever. It's not a big deal. 68.9 is his overall grade. Whoop-dee-doo. How's he helping the Chiefs right now? They just lost to the Raiders. He ran the ball 10 times for 40 yards. Four yards per carry. The week before, four yards per carry. Against Baltimore, 3.2 yards per carry. Against the Chargers, 3.8 yards per carry. Nobody cares. Nobody's talking about it anymore. T. Higgins, big old shoulder shrug. Meh, who cares? Again, the <laughs> most of these guys are not going to be good. The only question is, will they help the team in the future? That's what the draft is about, helping the team in the future. If you want to help this year, go out in free agency and plug somebody in for a short-term contract that's going to help us this year. You want to build for the future, you do that through the draft. That's what the Packers did when they drafted a quarterback of the future. The only way we're going to know if he's a bust is if when he takes over, he's not good. Maybe he he probably will be because most picks are garbage. Not because Brian Gutekunst is stupid, but because most GMs pick players that are not good. Because most people that go into the NFL are not good. How about Michael Pittman? Nine receptions, 73 yards, 61 overall grade. Anybody, like, want to rage about that? Oh, boy, if we only would have drafted Michael Pittman, he's not good. He might become good. He might have been good in Matt LaFleur's system at 6'4", 220. But, look, man, I can go through, I can keep going. I could just keep going forever and ever and ever. And you know, DeAndre Swift with the Giants. Anybody excited about him? Xavier McKinney, the safety for the Giants. Sorry, did I say Giant? I meant Detroit for DeAndre Swift. Kyle Duggar in New England for say anybody want anybody heard Kyle Dutter, Duggar's name since the draft? How about Yuter Gross Matos? How about Robert Hunt, the guard in Miami? How about Ross Blacklock? Everybody really liked Ross Blacklock. Anybody want to guess how good he's doing? He's not. Cole Komet, the tight end for Chicago, is not even hardly playing. I don't know if he's playing at all. We hear about Jimmy Graham. That's all we're hearing. Why isn't he taking over for Jimmy Graham? Grant Delpit. Even my guy, K.J. Hamler. See, we hear one, you know, guy like Chase Claypool has one good week. Out of 50 guys that got picked in the first and second rounds, we hear one guy had one good week once. He had like four receptions for a bunch of yards. Oh, we got to just freak out, and our, our GM is the worst ever, and I'm so mad right now. Dude, chill. We're 4-0. We're 4-0. We're the best team in football. And you know why we're the best team in football? Because of Brian Gutekunst. Brian Gutekunst brought in Matt LaFleur. Zadarius, Rashawn, who is a good football player. I mean, it's just, it's so hard to hate a GM that has built a team that went from six wins, and then he gets hired, we go from six wins to 13 wins to 4-0. and 
arguably the best team in football. And and you're gonna jump in my dude. Look, you gotta pick your pick your battles, man. Don't be sending me angry messages out of nowhere because Justin Herbert threw a couple nice passes. You gotta get your rage under control, brother. Completely unnecessary. Wildly out of control. Every year I go in and say, tell me which guy you want to draft. And the reason I do that, and I've never actually followed through with it or whatever, I need to do a better job of that, but it's for guys like Mr. Brian who are going to, I know, send me a bunch of messages about this guy was trash or Mr. No-Named Adam who talks about Rashawn Gary after every, where's Rashawn? It's probably Brian's fake account over there. I'm on to you, man. But that happens all the time. You got to stop. Where's Jalen Johnson? Where's Trayvon Diggs? Where's Cam Akers? Where's Jalen Hurts? Where's A.J. Epinesa? Where's my guy Raekwon Davis? I really like Raekwon. You know where he is? He's playing, and he's playing very poorly. Where's Van Jefferson? Where's Ezra Cleveland? Where's Denzel Mims? Where's Josh Uche? Where's Christian Fulton? Where's A.J. Dillon? Where is he? He's where everybody else is, not playing. But here's the thing. he When he plays, he's looked good. The only reason he's not playing is because this team is already so good. Make no mistake, if we didn't have Zadarius and Preston last year, Rashawn would have been playing. That's the only reason he didn't play. He's playing now. He's better than Preston. He's grading out, be- maybe not grading, he's, he's, he's statistically better than Zadarius and Preston. That's, that's just a fact. That's not my opinion. That's not a grade. That's based on factual evidence. He's getting to the quarterback better than anybody on this team. A.J. Dillon is not playing because Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams is the best duo in football. Jordan Love is sitting on the bench because Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in football. Chill out. You can't appreciate a 4-0 start from the Green Bay Packers? You can't appreciate the best off... I mean, I've been around 33 years and I've seen nothing but great Green Bay Packers teams over and over and over and over and over again. And I'm looking at what is maybe the best start for a Packers offense in history. And I got people messaging me angrily about how garbage our GM is. I don't get it, dude. I just don't, I don't understand. You got to stop. You're a good dude, Brian, but you got to pick your battles, man. If this team was 0-4 and Aaron Rodgers went down and, you know, we had a, we had, you know, Tim Boyle came in. Yeah, I could see being a little upset. We drafted a guy in the first round and we got Boyle coming in. That's unacceptable. Fine. Just wait to be mad until something bad happens. You're going to let Justin Herbert throw in a touchdown pass trigger this? Dude, relax. Again, I'm, I'm picking on Brian, but I know there's a lot of other guys out there that are like that. Possibly women, too. I'll try to be inclusive, but let's face it. There's zero women that act like this. In this regard. There's just zero. I don't care. I'm, I, I, will, I, I, would, I would honestly think that that's hilarious. But the day that I get random rage messages from female Packer fans about how much Brian Gutekunst is trash and should be fired, I'm just going to start laughing hysterically. Anyways, not trying to pick on you, Brian, but you got me me some kind of way today. These messages, dude, (laughs) just, you wake up and there's like 18 messages about, you know, whatever. Keep sending them, but you're not going to convince me. You just, you're not. You're not going to convince me that Brian Gutekunst is garbage. 13-3, and starting off 4-0, and best team in football, and you want me to hate our GM? I'm not going to do that. I'm just not. Because we could have had Patrick Queen. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather, Patrick Queen would be on the bench right now. Because our undrafted free agent right now is playing better than Patrick Queen. Not worried about that. Anyways, I got to go. You folks have yourselves a fantastic uh, Tuesday-ish. 
will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.